Welcome to Limitless, the blind beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. This podcast is being brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community, in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet, and thank you for joining us again this week. We are talking today about what it's like to grow up in another country outside of Canada if you are blind. And we have two co-hosts here today. We have Alethea, who joined us way back to talk about drumming. Welcome, Alethea. Welcome. Well, welcome. To, I'm really glad to see you. Thank you yeah. for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. And we have Allie, who I think this is your first time. Welcome, Allie. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Well, you know what? I'm going to get you both to introduce yourself. So why don't, can you each tell our listeners just what is your level of vision and um, why this was an interesting topic for you, why you wanted to be here today? Alethea, why don't you start? Well, so my vision is that I'm completely blind. I think uh, it's good to hear other people's perspectives about what it's like to grow up with disabilities in other countries, because I feel like it kind of helps us like as a community gain more perspectives and like maybe think about how we can make things better in terms of accessibility and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So Alethea is going to help me ask some questions because Allie and Nick both have some experience growing up in other countries. Allie, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us kind of what your experience with this is? Um, okay, yes, I'm Ali. I my level of vision, I have a little bit of peripheral vision, mostly on my right eye, but on my left a little bit also. I grew up in in I was born in Canada but raised in Mexico. I was 10 years old when I um lost my vision. All right. Well, now I want to introduce our guest today, Nick from Bermuda. And I was introduced to Nick because he's interested in getting involved with Blind Beginnings. And I didn't really, I don't, I don't know much about his story, but we're really excited to have him here to tell us. Welcome, Nick. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? Um, what is your level of vision and, and, Tell us about Bermuda a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so I was born and raised in Bermuda. Um, I was born with a couple of conditions, um, nystagmus, underdeveloped optic nerves, um, and a couple others, you know, it's just a little, <laughs> little cocktail of problems, but mm -hmm. that left me with some pretty limited vision. Um, I have very, very limited vision in my right eye. Um, I have more in my left eye, but it's still not very good. Um, peripheral vision, I don't have very much of that either. And I struggle to focus on things. Um, so I can see a little bit, but just <laughs> not, not a lot. Um, and yeah, Bermuda is absolutely awesome. It's getting kind of warm now. It's very hot and humid and it's tourist season. So lots of people around the island and yeah, it's a great time. 
Uh, so what was it like for you uh, growing up in Bermuda as a blind person and how did people react to that? Uh, yeah, growing up in Bermuda, it was pretty, pretty difficult. Um, we're a small island, only 70,000 people. Um, so as you can imagine, there's probably not too much um, as far as help, especially when I was coming through school, um, through like primary, middle and high school, that was all very difficult. There wasn't very many options for people with visual impairments and low vision and visually impaired. Uh, there's only really one organization and it was called, um, they've changed their name to Vision Bermuda, but they weren't very well known and they weren't very, I wasn't involved with them a lot. Um, so. I kind of was getting through school on my own. Um, I had a little bit of help um, from teachers who would remember that I was, you know, blind and they would remember to do things to help me, but others would forget. I would get kind of lost in the class and I was kind of timid, so I did not like to ask, you know, and keep reminding teachers. So I kind of just got through. Um, I used to have to walk up to the front of the class to write notes off the board, um, and I hated that. So mm -hmm. I just decided to stop doing that and um, kind of get through how I could. Um, yeah, I guess that's a little bit how I was getting through school. Um, did, did they provide you with any technology to help you with your education, or did you need uh, technology? I probably did need technology. <laughs> um, I probably did. There wasn't very much available. Um, there was one time that um, a person from the States came with some technology for, um, you know, blind people. And I went and tested some of them out, but I just never found anything that really worked well for me. Um, as far as like using computers, okay. I just like use the magnifier and would get super close to the screen, which wasn't very helpful either um and so yeah. yeah that's pretty much all I had and so that's how I had to kind of try to get through middle school and high school um and oh wow school. that must have been really difficult like glaring at the screen like all day yeah. really close up yeah like, I can only imagine like in COVID like everyone's eyes well especially for all the sighted people right looking at the screens right I can only imagine for you like oh <laughs> before we move on from education i just want to ask ali what what how does this compare for you in mexico what was education like um what kind of supports were available to you when you lost your vision um well actually i was homeschooled my whole life um so even when i did lose my vision i still went on being homeschooled after i got better um but they're really in in Mexico like at least in the part that I live used to live in um there wasn't really much to be offered it's very tough for me when I lost my sight to be living down there because I depended on people and I didn't really have any independence at all yeah, Unless so what me. was it like for you to travel independently on your own? Like, did you have someone with you to guide you or how did it work for you? Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a big deal for me because I always traveled with my parents um, up until I went off to college. So I didn't really have a problem with as far as like airport travel. Um, but until I went off to college and that's when I started getting help through the airport 
because I could not do it by myself. That was a big fear. So I was like, yeah, and now I get support and it's the best thing ever. You get to skip all the lines and people are really nice to you. You don't have to stress about anything. <laughs> like my moment to shine. So I, it's probably, probably one of the highlights of being, you know, visually impaired and not being able to see is just <laughs> is those yeah. perks like that um oh yeah like let's just play the blind card oh exactly. oh i didn't see those arrows sorry what about things like um i mean we have audible traffic signals mm. and oh, uh you know public transit is pretty good and in vancouver especially it announces the next stop and the SkyTrain talks to Amazing. you tells where you are yeah so <laughs> do you have any kind of accessible transit in bermuda uh we have it i've learned it um we don't have it as good as you have it in canada where you have them announcing the stop and um it's not super great for visually impaired because um I don't think the bus drivers are trained in how to you know mm -hmm. help people with that mm -hmm. so I'm always having to ask for where my stop is and just be like tell them I get here please sometimes they can have a little bit of an attitude if they don't notice that uh, <laughs> you're visually impaired so mm -hmm. they just kind of get a little upset but um other than that I kind of just my island's small so I could kind of get around places very easily for me without that help um, okay sure. are there are there sidewalks oh, where you live that was the other thing there are sidewalks um i've just recently gotten or i'm getting trained in how to use like long cane um mm -hmm. and how to i never knew that stop signs uh, uh the lights have the little spinny bit on the bottom to tell you when to go that changed my life completely because I was always, I hated crossing the street because I can never tell when it's time to go. The audible traffic signs are kind of iffy here. Um, sometimes I don't know if it's my one telling me to cross. So mm. it's not great. It's not a very accessible place here in Bermuda for visually okay. impaired. They're trying, but <laughs> it's not Okay, so you have the spinny, great. it's like a little cone that spins. Yeah, yeah they have those changed, in the UK and you just put your finger on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah those are cool. <laughs> That's cool. Okay. Um, Ali, what about in Mexico? What, what is like walking around like <laughs> on your own if you're blind in Mexico? Honestly, it was really hard for me. I didn't really do it because most, most of the road, um, streets are not paved and the ones that are, the sidewalks are like two feet wide and they put garbage cans in the middle. <laughs> so it's, and that's like not very many streets that are paved. Um, so I really couldn't go anywhere on my own, honestly, because it was not really safe. And cars mm. park everywhere, in the middle mm. of the street, everywhere. So right. um, it wasn't really accessible. What about learning to use a white cane? So Nick, you mentioned you're just mm -hmm. learning now. Yeah, like, are there professionals? <laughs> do you have mobility instructors in Bermuda? Yeah. And and why did you never learn <laughs> until now? Um, it just wasn't something that was made available to me before. Um, I don't know. I it was just yeah, it was just not something that was available um, mm -hmm. until recently. And they, like I said, there was that one company or that one organization that 
did work with them, but they weren't, they didn't have a lot of support, but now they've rebranded, they have a lot more support. And so they have brought a vision rehab therapist person mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> into the island. Um, yeah. Great. Um, and that's why I decided to get trained and it's awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I walked about... into my fair share of uh, street signs and trash cans too, though. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's been a long time coming. <laughs> yes. Um, Ali, is there, are there professionals in Mexico to train you how to use a white cane? Did you have a white cane when you were living there? Um, I actually got, like, got trained up here in Vancouver. Um, but in Mexico, there isn't really that at least in the city that I lived in mm -hmm. um and I would I wouldn't really use my cane actually now that I think about it I I wasn't as confident back when I was living there so um and and yeah it would just be terrible because there's since the roads weren't paved there's dogs everywhere so they would definitely chase my cane. Right. I would just always just do sided guy with, with like family or friends. So I'm curious about like just society as a whole in those countries. What, it, what are the perceptions of blindness? Like how do people treat you as a person with a white cane in Mexico and in Bermuda? Like what, what reactions do you get? Are people kind of like, oh my goodness, I, can I help you? Or are they, do they ignore you? Or do they tell you you should go back in your house? Cause that's where it's safe. Like what, <laughs> what kind of reactions do you get? Nick, that's why don't a you? That's a good say? question. Wow. That is really good. Um, <laughs> it's a, been pretty, pretty mixed. I mean, um, one of the things that blew my mind is how, kind of helpful people are when you have a white cane. I didn't kind of expect that. Mm. Um, like I remember I was going across the street and my person who was training me, she was like, she wanted me to do it on my own without her. So she stood back like a hundred feet. So, or I don't know how far back she was, but she was always back so that I could do it on my own. And so that people would, you know, so I could do it. Mm. Um, so I went to cross and a guy walks up next to me and he's like, it's good to cross now. I'll help you get across. And then he just helped me cross the road. And I was like, that never happened before in my life. And then mm. I got in trouble for cheating because I just <laughs> do it on my own, but <laughs> Nice. But people have been really nice but then there's also um, a little bit of confusion they're like what is that what why do you have a cane stick. like I, yeah a stick <laughs> I was on a boat yeah just yesterday and they're like what is this stick that you have are you like going hiking or something right and so it's a conversation started for sure mm -hmm. okay so some people don't know what it is at all yeah, like they don't understand not... yeah a little ignorant about it okay what about in Mexico, Ali? You said you don't didn't really use a cane there, but people knew you were blind. Like, what was their reaction to you? Yeah, people that knew me, that know me, um, do know I'm blind. But um, when I used to meet people, since I like knew people, I didn't. Since I didn't have my cane, sometimes I went hours talking to them or being in the room, and they would never know, and I would leave, right. and they. Would or no <laughs> and then when I would when someone would bring it up or something they would look at me and be like you can't see 
And then I was would be like, yeah, no, I, I can't see very well. Like in Mexico, everyone's so close and friendly. And I never tried um, crossing, like going out on my own because of the safety and the roads mm-hmm. not being very accessible and stuff. But, um, but no, um, when I, I guess when I went out, I would always have someone guiding me. So, and yeah. I had to really trust that they, I had to really know that I could trust them because I've had weird incidents before that. I don't have my cane and people don't tell me about the step or <laughs> something. I think it's so funny that you mentioned that people, well, you went a long time without people noticing or people not knowing, you know, you were blind. It was the same thing for me. I would, I could hide it pretty well. I could fake it till I make it. But and then just surprises yeah. people. They're like, no way. Yeah. It's like, yeah. But you do have to trust people for sure. <laughs> you have to have yeah. good friends. And luckily I have had a great family and great friends who have helped me um, no matter where I am. So, yeah. Yeah for sure do like is there an expectation that if you are blind you Mm -hmm. will have a job and or and or is there a certain sort of profession that you're kind of encouraged to pursue if (laughs) in Mexico or Bermuda when you're blind I don't think so not here in Bermuda at least um my profession I want to go into psychology uh, into psychology field so I got in touch with a visually impaired psychology psychologist here in Bermuda um, mm. and so I was able to you know talk with her and figure out how she does things but there's no I don't know of any profession that blind people can do right how did you I was expecting to do I should say how did you find her <laughs> um so I was going to my own therapist and then I was talking to her about it I'm like this is the field I want to go into and she's like I know someone who is blind as well and I think it would be great if you met with her and talk and then I also met with another person in Vancouver got in touch with Sean Vancouver different Sean and Mm -hmm. I was able to um chat with him as well and yeah so it's just yeah there's people blind people in every profession I think absolutely at least all the good ones I wouldn't want them being (laughs) firefighters but (laughs) yeah maybe not maybe not not everyone but although I mean who can see in the smoke really maybe we'd be great firefighters I don't know no limits man what about about, like dealing with like all the darkness and all that always get scared yeah we'd be We'd be top notch. <laughs> I always said to my parents, like, if we ever had a power outage, I'm in charge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, when my dad and I used to like fight or play fight or whatever, I would always turn out the lights so that I could tell them that we we're on even playing field now, so I could fight. <laughs> <laughs> so That's like, smart. So we could fight fairly. Yeah, I love that. Um, Ali, what about you? Did people talk to you about what kind of job you were you would do when you grew up? Um, in Mexico well I mean I I was 10 when I lost my vision um but I guess I don't know like for me in Mexico it's really really easy to start up a business and get it going so Mm -hmm. I I always 
started my own businesses at home. Um, and still, even when I lost my sight, I and I recuperated from me being sick, um, I kept on those businesses going. And my mom's actually still running some of them down in Mexico for me. What? Um, what kind of businesses do you have? So in Mexico, you can literally sell anything. Anything, anything, anything. Okay. So I... Um, Years ago, I started up um, like a school supply business. Really, they, the stores and businesses there were really putting the prices up high. And a lot of people there don't really have much money and they couldn't afford it. So I decided to start up a business, um, a school supply business, and with lower um prices and I I would still make a profit and I started up that business and many 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 more wow I could just wow. keep on going but I think that's a great way to help us uh, with the in within the community because yeah. it's it, it to me I feel like it's good to fill needs like mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of my take on it and yeah there was one thing I did want to add to that. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, back when I was I was younger, they um, blind. There was this organization that for blind people. I, I really can't remember what it's called. It's really frustrating me. But um, they would blind people would go and make chairs and sell them. So like um, they would make like uh, these like special chairs. I don't know how to explain it better, but. <laughs> They would make chairs and they would sell them. So that was kind of, I guess, what blind right. people were expected to do. Then, like, if you couldn't see, this is like something you can do. Yes, just sit around and sing kumbaya and make chairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. What What was your reaction like? Like, what sh- when you came to Canada? Like, what shocked you when you came here? Ah, uh, what shocked me about coming to Canada is probably how on how how much you had to offer for um you know the visually impaired um and how there was just so much here I it just kind of blew it was overwhelmed like when I came to university there's so many like um helps for exams different ways they have it in braille if you want it you can get your things printed in braille um, bigger fonts whatever you need and they're willing to help you and the teachers and professors are so so helpful but not only that just like the different businesses that were around like there was a business that sells um, technology for the visually impaired and I was like there's a store that does that that's amazing and (laughs) and there's just so many things and you know even finding out about blind beginnings this is just that's something I would have loved to have an organization like this growing up and being able to have like a support system like that would have been awesome like all these things there's just so much and I was just blown away and now you're even telling me that buses talk to you and tell you what stop is coming next (laughs) yeah right like you just went to the shop what I didn't know this could exist what it makes it like so much easier kind of thing right you just go into that shop yeah, yes. you can way more easier to be independent it's it seems yes. like it's they're making it very easy for you know blind people to be independent and that's I think amazing and Ali what about you with going back and forth from Mexico to Canada 
like you must have noticed the difference or or did you notice the difference here versus there in support and accessibility yes definitely i honestly when i the first years that i was going back and forth when i um got here i would just feel really free and independent i guess because here i didn't have to do sighted guide all the time i could go out on my own i could take a bus that was pretty awesome for me when i first um started learning how to take the bus and stuff here i felt really free and that i could just let go i guess not depend on someone to, to guide me all the time so my question is for, for both of you is that if you were to go in Canada versus Bermuda and Mexico, do you think you'd have a different kind of resilience with dealing with your disability or less? Like you said, I feel like it's made me resilient. Like, I, I don't know if I would have had all the comforts of speaking buses and um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, teachers all the time. I, I don't know. I the, question, the answer, I guess, is I don't know, but I feel like living here and being able to figure out how to do things maybe in a different way not as well has made me yeah like you said very resilient um it's made me kind of stubborn a little bit maybe I do things I shouldn't do <laughs> but I still do them once I rode a motorbike on the road that wasn't very good of me to do that but you know I mean I hope the police don't listen to this podcast but anyway <laughs> um <laughs> Probably no, not the I, Bermuda police, so you're probably yeah. okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I feel, yeah, I feel like I've developed a different sort of uh, hard-headedness and yeah, I just work hard and don't let my eyesight become a hindrance. That was something that that's kind of how I want to say it. It's like mm -hmm. my, my eyesight, I've kind of figured out how to work around it and be as good as other people despite it and people not even notice it. I try to be the best that I can, not the best blind person, but just the best person. Like if I'm at a job, I don't want to be the best blind employee. I want to be the best employee, mm -hmm. full stop. So yeah. I feel yeah. like that's what's, you know, helped me about living here in Bermuda and kind of not having that crutch. It's kind of helped me do that. Yeah. What about you, Allie? Like if you could choose to have had grown up only in one country, which would it be and why? Honestly, I think, yes, when I, when I was living in Mexico, like going back and forth from Canada and Mexico, it was hard because I didn't get, there wasn't that support and that much help down there. But it's, I, as hard as it, it was and confusing and for not having, not being able to have independence it it did make me stronger and it made me the person that I am now with knowing that life is different um down in Mexico than in Canada I think we it made me really grow as a person how people down there viewed um blindness and yes it was hard and and it still is if I go back now, but it's, it's really helped me grow and understand um, how, how it is because 
I was fully sighted before. And so I can really sort of see where people are coming from. But now I'm, I always tell my friends down there that knew me when I had full sight and that I'm the same person, but I do things slightly differently. Mm-hmm. I feel like all, you know, how like there's a lot of myths around blindness and whatnot and people, people are like saying, oh, this blind people like cannot do this or that. I think it's because a lot of people aren't aware of like, they, they, they don't have the awareness of like, like the disability itself. Like, you know, how in blind beginnings, we, that's where we try to make more people aware of what blind people can do and even on this podcast so Mm -hmm. I think one of the coolest things blind beginning does or what I've heard about you probably do a ton of cool things one of the coolest things for me was hearing that you teach young people how to be able to explain their visual conditions in Mm -hmm. 30 seconds that that blows my brain I was like that's always been something I've struggled with trying to explain how I Mm -hmm. see to someone who doesn't understand it is the hardest thing and probably the hardest part about right about this whole thing is that I just don't know this is how I've been I was born this way so this is the only way I've seen so trying to explain it to other people is so so difficult and I think that blind beginning is like you know teaching people how to do that and like you said educating is amazing I think that's awesome I was just thinking about the resilience thing to, to go back to that. Although I also wanted to comment on uh, what you just said, Nick, about teaching kids how to explain what they can see, because I think it's a really interesting point that if you've never seen perfectly what everyone else can see, how the heck are you supposed to explain what you can see, right? Like you have nothing to compare it to. This is, it's like asking someone fully sighted to explain how they see. Mm-hmm. I mean, they wouldn't really know how to do that either. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just something I think people don't think about. They're just like, Oh, how do you see? What can you see? And you're kind of for like, me, I don't know. I just see. <laughs> that's the hardest part. And unfortunately that's every new person you meet. That's the mm-hmm. conversation you're having to have. <laughs> yeah. First question and they want to know. Usually. It's yeah. so it's probably the hardest thing, I think. Yeah. I don't know about yeah. you guys. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about resilience from mm-hmm. those of us, Alethe and I, who grew up in Canada with a visual impairment. Um, and I kind of don't want all our Canadians who are blind being like, it's not that easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that Lucky cushy. Ducks. Lucky I feel ducks. very appreciative for the supports that we have. Um, and I should add too, that for the first couple decades of my life, there were no, some of these things didn't exist yet. You know, like you couldn't just like use a computer and access the internet and, and have it talk to you. And there were no talking buses and all of those kinds of things. But, um, it's interesting though, the resilience, like I, I definitely think I'm more resilient because of my blindness as well but I can't really even imagine growing up in a place like Mexico where I couldn't even go for a walk by myself, like going for a walk around the block independently as a teenager wouldn't have been safe. It would have been scary. So yeah, it's just reminding me of just how privileged I was to grow up here. Alethea, I'm just wondering if you're having any thoughts about this. You know, I I sometimes feel like, I don't know if this applies for you to Ali and Nicholas, but 
if I don't know, like if growing up in Mexico, I feel like maybe you'd have less things, like you'd have less freedoms and all that. And then you come to Canada and like living in Mexico and Bermuda, and you come to Canada and you have the freedom to be able to walk out of your house and to go wherever you need to go. Does that make you both more thankful and gratitudinal towards that freedom? Mm, like maybe you appreciate it more because you didn't have it. I for sure. Yeah. Like that feeling of independence, not that I don't love my parents, but they, you know, <laughs> care about my safety. So they would always help me try and help and do everything. But it gets kind of refreshing when I went to Canada and just having the independence um, to be able to do things like you're saying. Um, I really appreciated it, not having it before. I appreciated it so much. Even like grocery shop now, you can do it all online. Like how cool mm -hmm. is that? And like, yeah, it kind of made me feel like I could live on my own. I guess I, not that I never thought I would, but like I could do it on my own, like in Canada. And that feels that sense of independence feels really good and yeah and I definitely appreciate it not having had it in Bermuda. Yeah same for me spending a lot of my life in Mexico and in Canada going back and forth it really as much as like Mex Latino people are very friendly and so like I wouldn't have a problem with them being like oh I'll guide you but they don't know, really know how. So I always had to tell them. But coming here and just having the knowing, just, I guess, just knowing that I can just go out by myself and go for a walk or go out and take the bus and go meet a friend. Mm -hmm. And that is, that feeling is pretty amazing. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. No, that's perfect. What about learning sort of the culture when you're blind? I, I, I lived in England for six months, so I had a little bit of a taste of like going to another place and, but for the most part, we're not that different from England, I feel like, but I, I remember an example of Halloween dressing up for Halloween in Canada. You can dress up like anybody. It's not necessarily like a scary you know, symbol or, and I, I didn't really have a costume with me because I was only there for six months and I had a dress that looked like something Julie Andrews would wear in the sound of music. So I dressed up like Julie Andrews sort of, <laughs> and people were like, like that wasn't a costume that you would wear in England. Like you wouldn't dress yeah. up like a British celebrity, for oh, example, really? or like uh, a character from a movie, you know, that's I not that's not a thing. Interesting. I thought that, Halloween was just about like dress up, about, like dress up like anything you want kind of thing. That's what it is here, Very. but I don't think that's what it is everywhere else. So that's just hmm. one oh. example where I felt like, yeah. oh, I'm a fish out of water. I don't really understand the culture completely. Um, did What was that like for you guys in Canada coming from another country? Like, did you experience something like that where you're like, oh, the rules are different here and I don't know what they are? Not really. I guess the biggest thing, the biggest culture shock was how talkative people were. Like sometimes people would just strike up conversations with me and I'm like, oh, you're talking to me. My bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it just didn't. It, it, yeah. How 
conversational and chatty everybody seems to be in Canada. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just where I am. But no, that one, that one got mm. me. Um, I can't think of anything else. I mean, driving that... on the right side of the road is weird to me. Right. Driving on the left. <laughs> Crazy. I... Yes, actually, I have a funny story about that, too. My friend Monty, who's been on the podcast, when he was living in the UK, he had to get used to, you know, when you board a bus in Canada, you turn left to go down the aisle to find a seat. <laughs> and he kept trying to turn left and smash into the front, you know, the, oh. the dash or whatever. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> it's no. just such yeah. a habit to, like, turn left when you board a bus. So that was definitely, and he's totally blind. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, the, the friendly talk talkative thing could be also if you're using a white cane. I do feel like people talk to you more maybe when you're blind than when you're not. You know, if mm. you're just sort of, oh, the curious questions, the where are you headed? The have you always been blind? The, yeah, <laughs> those kinds of things. You go to. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a job? Like those mm. kinds of questions. It might... If you don't have your cane, you might not find people quite so chatty mm. in Canada. <laughs> Hard to say. Depends where in Canada also. Like we should, I should preface, we're in Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, there's, uh, you know, Canada is a huge country, but. I want to say for you guys coming from Mexico and Bermuda, what uh, is your favorite thing about Mexican and Bermuda, uh, Mexico and Bermuda? And what's your favorite thing about Canada? Favorite thing um, about Mexico? People. The people are, yeah, everyone just talks to you. Least favorite is that roads aren't accessible. Um, in Canada, just that there's, it's more accessible. You have way more opportunities. Yeah. Um, for me, favorite thing about Bermuda, I mean, it's really small, so... I've pretty much mastered it around here um, so I can get around very well and I guess that's probably like my favorite bit like I don't feel that nervous going around places I mean it's yeah I've just been doing it for 23 years I can I can get around um, and I know it and it's small and if I get lost chances are somebody would know me right and mm. or I so, <laughs> so anyway I feel comfortable that was probably the scariest thing about going to Canada was I feel like the stakes are a lot bigger a lot, a lot greater like if you get on the wrong bus in Canada you might end up in uh, the, car the caribou or something like that I'm I'm originally from Vancouver but I moved to Victoria three years ago and one mm. thing uh as a family we've definitely noticed is that is that the world here is it's not small, 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 but it is small enough that, like, say you're talking to one of your friends, they might know one of your other friends, etc. So, but it's still um, bigger than than Bermuda. It is still I bigger, mean, but I feel like because I haven't started traveling yet on my own, I feel like uh, when I start to travel on my own, I feel like it might I might have a slightly higher chance of finding someone I know than in Vancouver to mm -hmm. to that mm -hmm. that knows me really well and to be able to help me yeah but not by much yeah i i think victoria feels smaller um the uh, vancouver island is mm -hmm. but i mean i think vancouver island is like 
the size of the UK or something. Like it's still big. Really? <laughs> well, yeah. No, Maybe yeah. not. I, I don't small. know if that's true. Don't quote me, but, yeah. but, okay. but, I, yeah. but also Vancouver, because of all the municipalities that just sort of like greater Vancouver is many, many cities, right? It's just spreads from one, like you don't notice you've, you've moved from New Westminster to Burnaby to Vancouver, and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference mm-hmm. where I think in other parts of the world, there's like rural stuff between the cities. So you're kind of like, you only have to know your city, but in Vancouver, it just, you're right. Like you can get on a bus in like Burnaby and end up in Abbotsford somehow. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. And then not know how to get back. And yeah. Anyway, that was, <laughs> that's probably why I stayed away from the buses for just had good friends who drive yeah. me to Walmart or whatever. I guess the best thing about Canada though, was like, you, like I said earlier, is just how, how much there was to offer for blind people it was it was really great and kind of overwhelming but at first but then it was like I could get used to this mm-hmm. I feel luxury I like it nice and you are coming back to Canada right of course yeah nice. in August I'll cool well thank you so much yes. both of you for sharing your experiences uh yeah. it's, it's been very informative and and super interesting really appreciate mm-hmm. your honesty and your vulnerability and explaining to us what, what it was like. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And thank you, Alethea, for joining me to ask these questions. Mm-hmm. Anytime. All right. We'll have you back. Great. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast with a friend, like, subscribe, leave us a rating, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca. And also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time.